Down in Miami, the Dolphins' 2020 season seemed to get off to a much too familiar start against some familiar faces. What would be a significant blow early in the season most years was not, however, for this crew under Brian Flores. Going on to win 10 of their next 13 games, the Dolphins were just threads away from making a splash in the AFC playoffs. Can the Dolphins' front office provide two of the offensive firepower to keep up? And what will it take to get the Finns back atop the AFC? Hello everyone and welcome to 32 Blueprints, a 2021 off-season series visiting the 32 plans in motion to bring your team the Lombardi Trophy. I'm your host, Den. I'm at KeepPoundDen on Twitter. Joined each week by the one and only Antoine Staley. You can find him on Twitter, at Antoine Staley. And you can find this series on the podcast platform of your choice, as well as on intentionalgrinding.com. Today, we are talking Dolphins, Antoine, right up your alley. Yeah. Excited to learn a lot more about the Finns. And we also have Josh Houts. He's at Houts on Twitter, uh, also from the uh, the Finsider from SB Nation. And I have to ask you, Josh, before we start, have you memorized how to spell Tonga Vailoa yet? I have. Uh, you have. Whether or not how to pronounce it properly, I mean, I've been told, <laughs> you know, I butcher Mike Gesicki, so I'm still working on that. <laughs> uh, all these years, you're still butchering Gesicki's name? Yeah, well, I got, got it down now, but I think I just uh, ignorantly just kept calling him Jasicki. So I, I heard it from my podcast listeners for sure. Uh, thanks for joining us here, Josh. But, you know, as an outsider, me looking in, um, you know, I saw a Dolphins team go toe to toe with some of the best teams defensively, but didn't have quite the offense to get it done. Again, that's just my view. You know, obviously the, the season starts. You lose at New England. They lose against Buffalo. I mean, are you just being like, not again? <laughs> Did that seem like the, the, oh, the worst start that they could have? And, you know, especially in the AFC East. You know, you mean you lose two of those games historically. Um, tough to get excited, right? Right. And I mean, I guess the way I saw it, at least from a fan or, you know, as kind of a guy that follows the team was, you know, this was a unprecedented offseason. So, you know, with all the overture the Dolphins had with all those new rookies and veteran free agents that we saw them acquire, we saw it. We knew that it was going to take, you know, a little bit for them to come together and gel. And that's what you saw as the season progressed. I mean, you're absolutely right. The offense held this team back, in my opinion. I mean, that week 17 loss to Buffalo, I'm sure we'll talk about that. That was just embarrassing to go up there and lose to Matt Barkley, you know, with everything riding on the line there. But you're right. The offense needs to do better. And I think, you know, that's what they're going to do this offseason. Last season, they approached it. They filled some spots on the offensive line, but mostly they went heavy on defense. So this year, I think they're going to go offense and and build that arsenal around Tua. So just talk about, uh, I know uh, it's a really, it's a sore subject uh, talking with Dolphin fans about Tua. Just how did you assess his first year? Because I thought, I mean, I thought it was a lot of good. It was some bad too, but that, I think that was to be expected. I mean, the man's a rookie, came out for an injury, major injury. It was not a traditional training camp or he didn't have an off-season program like normally Hollywood because of the injury and COVID. Just talk about how did you think he uh, played this year with all the circumstances? Yeah, man, I think that was a great assessment. I mean, I think Dolphin fans, uh, you know, admittedly we went into this with 
over the moon expectations for Tua. And maybe some of us, you know, we're sitting there, hey, let Tua sit all season. Well, once he got in there, I mean, fans, their expectations skyrocketed. And I don't know how much this had to do with seeing Joe Burrow have the success before the injury. Certainly it had a lot to do with the way Justin Herbert, you know, had that season. And we know how Dolphin fans had that little civil war going on there. But for me, I think Tua Tungvalu did what you would expect from a rookie, like you said, with an unprecedented offseason coming back from that injury. I mean, while some players like a Herbert and, and Burrow were getting ready for the draft and, you know, going through that process too was still trying to rehab and, and prove that he was ready. So a lot of up and down, but a lot of good. And I think, you know, for me coming into this too, to me was one of those quarterbacks, you know, he had that pinpoint accuracy. That was kind of his whole thing was he had that elite trait, that accuracy. And to me, he was a little bit off this year. I mean, that was one of the things that I thought he lacked a little bit was he missed some of those balls that you would have liked to see him complete. And we saw him make there at Alabama. So uh, again, I saw a lot of good. I think the Dolphins should be happy in what they had, but when you see him up against a Joe Burrow with Justin Herbert, um, you know, that's when this Dolphin fan base is, is slowly starting to turn on him, and uh, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, actually, I saw on your Twitter you were uh, approached with the question if he has one more bad year that he has to go. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> the, the patience yeah. with quarterbacks is, is almost zero in, in, in 2020, but, you know, a, a team that clearly needs offensive weapons Although, I mean, they did score points last year. That was kind of the interesting interesting thing. You know, they putting up 27, 28 points and losses to the Bills and Chiefs. Um, you know, a team that clearly needs offensive weapons, though. And for me, I personally just circle that third pick as Devontae Smith. And speaking of Bama, Tua was asked on the Dan Patrick Show how many times he would go to the line knowing they would score a touchdown on this play. And then you asked him, you know, how many touchdowns he thought Dan Patrick would have thrown on that team. You know, what could what could that confidence do in just one player alone for Tua? Or do you think it's 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 a lot more than that? I do think it's a lot more than that, but at the same time I do think that you can't overlook, you know, the chemistry that these two guys have. I mean, arguably that was one of the things that Tua lacked was that chemistry with the receivers that you would have developed, you know, over a traditional preseason, over a traditional training camp. So um, I can't overlook it. You can't overlook that he just had one of the best seasons, you know, ever in, from a wide receiver in college history. And again, I think he went down to the senior bowl with all intentions of showing Brian Flores and this staff, you know, I am that player that you can't miss on. But when you take a step back and you, you try to oversee you know look past those uh you know the familiarity with Tua and things like that I think you know trading down it might be in their best interest or even you know drafting Sewell there and shoring up that offensive line I mean this is a guy who a lot of people said is one of those you know you hate to say it but generational you know can't miss talents and you know he's sitting right there at three potentially so a lot of options here for the Dolphins but I think it would be you know dishonest or you know I don't think Chris Greer and Brian Flores are sitting here saying no Devontae Smith's the guy although you know maybe this fan base feels that way but I think there's a lot of options and they set themselves up to be in this position and I think that's why Dolphin fans have to be excited because this is year three of a rebuild and again they approached defense last offseason now they're going to build that arsenal around too and you know good things should come. What else do you think this team needs uh, offensively uh, that a wide receiver? I think running back should be an issue. Uh, I know a lot of people have advocated for taking another Alabama player in the first round. Uh, I, I think I will wait a little bit, but just kind of your thoughts on some of the other team needs too as well, because I think offensive line could still use some help as well. Also, um, getting a running back too as well. And also, I mean, I would also get a couple of wide receivers, to be completely honest, because I, I, as much as I like Devontae Parker as a talent, I, I mean, one of the best talents is availability. And we, we know the history of Devontae Parker. So just talk about that. 
Yeah, man. I mean, you, you know this team just as well as anyone. And you mentioned Devontae Parker's, you know, availability. The same thing has to be said with Preston Williams. And, you know, so, yes, they need to get multiple wide receivers. You mentioned running back, and I almost have to agree with you. You know, you can sit here and say that Najee Harris, I mean, this guy is just built differently, it seems. You know, I think he's the clear-cut RB1, but then they got Travis Etienne. You know, then you also have Javante Williams. There's plenty of options here at the running back position. So, is it smart to invest a first-round pick? I mean, that's the million-dollar question. But, again, I think Najee Harris, you can't overlook. He went down to that senior bowl to, again, kind of snuggle up to, to to Brian Flores but I think you got to get the wide receivers in there you got to find the running back and then you got to sure up the offensive line because as much as Dolphin fans love what they saw from Hunt and you know Jackson and Kinley at the end of the day you know it was still only a little bit better than what we've seen in the past and it just hasn't been good enough so um uh, that's where I think the Dolphins will address the offense and then defensively if we want to jump to that I mean linebacker and you know they need to get some speed off the edge because uh, you know we haven't seen that for a long time. You know, obviously the Dolphins, one of the few teams with uh, multiple first-round picks, um, they they have their own at 18th. Um, you know, good year to be needing what I, what I seemingly to me is you know tackles, wide receivers with that quarterback-heavy draft. You know, um, that top 10 uh, probably isn't going to gobble up too many of those you know those pieces that they could grab. So it's sitting in a good spot there. Um, you know, you switch over to the defense, um, and I'll, of course, sorry. To, the free agency part of that. I've seen Curtis Samuel was mentioned on your timeline too. Um, that hits home here. But anyway, the the defense is it is it fair to say the defense was a their results were a big surprise. I, I mean, I guess to, the biggest thing, I guess, might have been the leap that they took almost mm-hmm. because, I mean, they have a lot of unknown players, you know, a lot of guys that honestly, you could sit here and play guess who you might not even know who half these players are and they just kind of all gelled together and they did overachieve to a sense. But when you have Xavier Howard come down with 10 picks, when you have, you know, a veteran presence like Kyle Van Noy is already so, you know, he's been part of that defense and he was that perfect veteran leader to bring in there and kind of bring it all together. I, I, as a Dolphins fan, yes, I think it was a surprise, but when you brought Brian Flores in here, when you saw, you know, what he did at new England and the kind of uh, thumbprint he put on that defense, this is what you expected the Dolphins to, to eventually transform into was that hard nosed defense. And you know, that goes back to that running game. Is this going to be one of those Dolphin teams where, you know, they establish they have this top five defense and then they just go down there and run the ball down their throat. I mean, is that where we're headed? I'm not sure, but um, I think that's, I think that's the way this defense looks. And I think, you know, they get a linebacker. I don't know, Mika Parsons, you know, Collins, whoever it is, you bring in a guy like that, changes things there. And then again, you get a speed off the edge, a guy like a Jason Taylor, you know, as uh, a unicorn as that might be, you bring a guy in like that. And I think that just transforms everything with this defense. And I know I'm not sitting here doing the questioning, but I got to ask you guys about Curtis Samuel, because <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, that's a guy who I've, uh, I loved at Ohio State. I think that he can do a little bit of everything. I think this year he finally brought it together. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel and the Miami Dolphins uniform? I, I think that'd be a good fit for them. Uh, I think Curtis really showed a lot, uh, especially in the contract year for the Pets. I think I think he might have priced himself out of Carolina because I really think it's going to be other teams like the Dolphins, like maybe the Eagles, like some other teams that could use a wide receiver that's going to outbid Carolina, and it might be a better situation for him too as well because he's. Let's be let's be honest. He's still he, he comes back to Carolina. He was still kind of being the shadow of Robbie Anderson and also uh, DJ Moore too as well. Whereas you can go to a Miami and you can go to Philadelphia and shine and be the number one or number two wide receiver there. Whereas in Carolina, he's going to be the number three guy, especially with the guys that they have there. So that's just my quick assessment. I think the Dolphins that would be smart to draft the receiver, but also get a veteran receiver. Also in Curtis Samuel as well. 
Yeah, I mean, Tua said on the Dan Patrick show, you know, a lot of times he would just get the ball to Devontae and let him do the work. And I think that you have another perfect guy like that with Curtis Samuel. Um, I think that, you know, as Panthers fans, Curtis Samuel was always, oh, next year he's going to be great. Next year he's going to be great. And I just wish he was great early on so that we weren't facing this issue now. You know, I wish they would have, like, maybe extended him earlier or something. But, um, you know, I think that I'm fully prepared for a Panthers season without Curtis Samuel. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow bring him back. But like like Antoine said, I do think that he has priced himself out. And I, I think the Dolphins, yeah, are, are, a great, are a great pick for him for a team that that, um, that can look at offense. So um, so, how, so obviously in the AFC East, power shuffling around, at least from last year, the Bills look like they're going to be right back up there. You know, how can this team... I guess it wouldn't be a big flip of the table, you know, just a couple games off. But, you know, how can this team finally, A, keep this, keep that success from last year with the defense, but also start really, you know, really competing with the top teams, not only in the AFC East of the Bills, but just the AFC? Um, what, what What's their quickest blueprint to that? Is it going offensively heavy or um, is there another path that you see? Yeah, I think that's the number one way to go. You got to go offense heavy. And I mean, we kind of all laid down different blueprints or, you know, different players that we like, but they bring in, you know, a Devontae Smith, they bring in a Curtis Samuel, they bring in Najee Harrison. I mean, that offense already looks completely different. I don't know how easy it's going to be to beat the Bills. I mean, I continue to say, and it, we didn't even talk about the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I don't know if we'll get into that, but I continue to say, you know, if Tua Tungvaloa is the guy that we hope he is, you know, he's eventually going to beat Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. He's going to have to beat, uh, you know, Josh Allen to win the AFC East. So at some point you need to build around him and he needs to go out there and, you know, become that player that we expect because it's it's not looking good, like you said. I mean, the AFC East, the Bills are looking like, you know, juggernauts. What Josh Allen did this year, I mean, I was a guy that was a little up in, up in arms, you know, kind of, you know, flipping flop of whether or not I thought Josh Allen was going to eventually, you know, become that player. And, I mean, he just went ape, ape crap this year. So <laughs> I think the Dolphins, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say that word. So I think the Dolphins, you know, they need to go offense heavy and they got to be able to compete with some of those teams because I think the defense is there. The offense is just a little bit off. We're, okay, looking at this team in 2021, just realistic expectations because you finished with 10 wins, which I thought was, I know it was a disappointing end to the season, but you look at the grand scheme of things, I thought they were ahead of schedule because I thought this was an eight or nine win team uh, coming into the year. Just what are your expectations, dear? Because I think it's playoffs this year. I mean, you win 10 games and, you know, you barely miss out on the playoffs. I think that next step is making it to the postseason. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that is the next step, and that's going to be, you know, what Brian Flores and this team has to eventually overcome. I mean, they they got to get to the playoffs, and they got to prove that they can go out there and win games. I mean, we've seen Adam Gase get to the playoffs, but he got completely blown out. And I mean, you don't want to sit here and compare Brian Flores to Adam Gase because what Brian Flores has done in Miami is, you know, completely different. But I just think that, you know, it's just. I just think the way that this thing all is going to play out, they need to go out there and they need to eventually win enough games to, you know, contend with some of those teams. And for me, it comes to this and Dolphin fans might not want to hear this, but they won 10 games. Like you said, they almost overachieved last year. Is it crazy to think that they could be better offensively and only win eight or nine games? I mean, that's kind of where the Dolphin fan in me is seeing this. I mean, you're sitting here saying next steps playoffs and that I would love that. I think that, you know, this team is just right there that they could jump in but uh, as a Dolphin fan is that negative uh, Nancy I kind of see them you know being a better team on paper and going out there and performing but then only coming away with eight or nine victories so being the biggest Cam Newton defender in the uh, <laughs> on the internet Josh um, you know it's funny how quickly 
people have kind of disregarded the Patriots in the AFC East. How do you how do you view that? Is that are they a team that like because the way that we've been talking here, it, that's not even a team that we're really worried about. But how do you see that shaking up the AFC East next year with a team that can seemingly spend a lot? And you know, Dolphins of course coming in second in that division, but was that kind of a a one-hit wonder? And is that division going to be a little more tough going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. Shame on me for, you know, one year the Patriots, you know, don't make the playoffs or don't exceed expectations. And, you know, where I'm already sitting here counting them out. But I think, you know, it has to be scary as Dolphin fans. You're sitting here and we're all talking about, you know, what the Bills have become and, you know, even what the Jets might do this offseason. But you can't tell me Belichick doesn't have a plan. There's something up his sleeve here. I mean, he had to have gone through that year last year to, you know, have something in mind this season. And that should have all Dolphin fans worried because, yes, Tom Brady went on, won a, won a Super Bowl. You know, okay, everyone can look at that and say he was the reason for that Patriots dynasty. I don't see it that way. And I do think that, you know, Brian Flores, this is a division that these games are a toss-up every week. So Brian Flores versus Belichick, you know, regardless of where they're at, you know, that's going to be a rivalry that's going to go back and forth, you know, as long as they're both in the AFC East. Yeah, my my thoughts are, yeah, I, I wouldn't count out the Patriots in anything, especially with Belichick, and you know they're definitely going to do something. Uh, just for me, like, just talk about um, the, the also looking at the Jets, too. I think they're a wild card as well, and I actually love the uh, Robert Silas hire, and uh, let's say let's say you get a Deshaun Watson in there. Uh, how did, How would that change the landscape of that division? Oh, man, that would break my heart. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd go back and forth. You know, you see a Deshaun Watson Photoshop, and that day you're like, okay with it. And But if, if the Dolphins, you know, sat back and they didn't go after Deshaun Watson, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm happy with two. I'm happy building around him. But if Deshaun Watson went to the New York Jets, I mean, that would shake everything up. And at that point, you know, then the Dolphins fall down to third, I mean, right away, right? I mean, they become, at best, they be, they might finish third in the AFC East because it's going to be hard to contend with a, with a Josh Allen. It's going to be very hard to contend with Deshaun Watson. And then if you were to get through that, you got to be Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that would be tough, and that is the last place I honestly want to see Deshaun Watson, unless for some reason he'd end up in New England, which that to me would be the worst, worst case scenario. As a Panthers fan, I I'd, uh, I can tell you that I don't want to see Deshaun Watson end up anywhere in the AFC. <laughs> but um, so the Dolphins do face the AFC South um, next year, is also the NFC South. So that's interesting. So you will get a. Uh, a, a Panthers game and, and a, uh, a Tom Brady game in there for Brian Flores. But Dolphins 10-6, and six, nice second place finish this year if they can keep that up. Like I said, keep that power shuffle of the AFC East going. I'm sure the rest of the NFL will like that after uh, seeing the Patriots up there for 20 years. But uh, again, Josh Houts, at Houts on Twitter, the Finsider, SB Nation, and uh, we'll be looking forward to what happens with that third pick. I think that... Um, the top, actually, the Jets and the Dolphins pick, I think, are really gonna um, kind of decide how the draft goes, right? I mean, don't you? Um, how do you feel about you know that? Like I said, that Jets to me, the Jets pick number two is kind of a, a wild card. For sure. So, I mean, so they- being right behind them, you know, what 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 are you looking for? Obviously, we know that Trevor's going one. Um, well, we think. What are you looking for? You know, as, as when the Jets are up on the board as far as helping the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn because you sit here and you think if they take Sewell, you know, that sures up their offensive line. That means they might commit to Sam Darnold. And then quarterback two falls the Dolphins, and then they have a world of trade-down options. But then, you know, if the Jets take a quarterback, you know, then a quarter 
QB3 falls, and who knows, that, that might even drive up the price even more because, you know, now you're starting to see quarterbacks fall, and then you also have the potential of drafting Sewell. So, so many options, but I think you're right. It's going to come down to what the Jets do, and I don't know that we'll truly know unless, you know, a Sam Darnold train pops up on our phone, but how likely is that going to be? Yeah, that's the biggest wild card is that Jets fans seem ready to move on, but uh, I'm not sure if there's a lot of fish biting for Sam Darnold right now, So, or at least with for the price that uh, the Jets are hanging out there. But we will see. Anyway, again, Josh at a house on Twitter, the Finsider, SB Nation, and Antoine Staley. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on, and we're on to the offseason here. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Fins up. Hey, hey, house, man. Appreciate it, man.